Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Hello and welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. I'm again your host, Travis Tyler, and this is a very special episode for me because today I get to to interview my friend, more than my friend, my mentor, my father in the ministry, Pastor Vic Wallace. So Vic, thanks for letting me do this today. Thank you, Dr. Tyler. It's a great privilege and a joy of mine to be with you today. God has Bless me in such a marvelous way through your ministry, and he has blessed me when I served as your pastor. The moment that you accepted Christ, you've always been very dear to me and to my sweet family. Yeah, let's let's talk about that for a minute so everybody kind of knows our relationship. We met each other at First Baptist Fall Branch many years ago when you were pastoring there. And you, uh, you got up one, one morning in the week during a vacation Bible school and you explained the gospel very clearly. And as a boy, I became convicted of the truth of the gospel. And I said, I've got to talk to the pastor. And then I came into your office and you just, uh, so, uh, so skillfully and lovingly, like any shepherd would, took me down the Romans road and pointed me to Christ. And Christ saved me that day in your office. I really, truly believe that. So God, so Amen. instrumental. So, well, tell me about your testimony, Vic. I want to hear about your testimony, how the Lord saved you. Okay, Dr. Tyler. I was reared in the First Methodist Church at Churchill. My parents were Methodist people, but they were wonderful Christians. They have gone to be with the Lord. But uh, they lived such a godly life before me and brought me up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. They were parents that really wanted me and my brother and sisters to follow the leadership of God Almighty. And so I was reared in the First Methodist Church, and I also was saved there. Back when I was about uh, 12 or 13 years old, a minister by the name of C.B. Davis, he had such a tremendous influence on my life. And I'll never forget the night that this dear friend of mine, Jack Thomas, who used to be with the King College in Bristol, was just a young fellow then, but he had a position there at the King College. We had been in a revival, and after the revival, he came up and put his arm around me and said, Vic, would you like to know Jesus tonight? And I said, Jack, I believe I would. Mm-hmm. So I'll never forget, I walked up the aisle and went to the mourner's bench. That was what we had back in those days. At the now tell me Methodist about this. Church. What did that look like? What's a mourner's bench? A mourner's bench was the first bench in the sanctuary. And uh, people who felt their need for Christ or rededication or what have you, they would come to the mourner's bench and there would be someone in the church, either the pastor or steward or 
deacon or someone would come and share Christ or share whatever they needed to know. And uh, they would pray with you. And when you accepted Christ as your Savior, you usually stood up and the pastor and all would present you to the church and relate to the congregation what had happened. So I was saved that night, wonderfully saved. And uh, I had a tug in my heart at the age of 12 or 13 years old that God wanted me to preach the gospel of Christ. And so I looked to C.B. Davis as my hero and as my person that really was very humble and compassionate and deeply concerned for lost humanity and for those who were not walking in the steps of God. And so I really had the call when I was 12 or 13, I just mentioned it. But something happened when I became a teenager that I stepped out of the will of God, my own fault. I followed the crowd Went in the Navy for a while. That was during the Korean War. Now, were you drafted or did you volunteer? I, I volunteered. Mm-hmm. I just stepped out of the will of God, and I'm sorry for that, but I did not live very long apart from being in God's will and fellowship. But when I came back into fellowship with him, a man by the name of Dr. Earl Dingus he and I worked together at the Kingsport Press for several years, and he was in a revival meeting in Bloomingdale Road, tent revival. And that night, I went to church with him, and I came back into fellowship with God. And so God began to deal with me in such a marvelous way, tugging at my heart, and uh, I just felt deeply in my heart that I should be preaching the gospel of Christ. So there has never been a doubt in my heart. There have been times that I felt like that, hmm, well, what about this or what about that? Or how can I handle this situation or that situation if I were a preacher? How would I handle that? But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God placed me in the ministry of his dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I love him and always love him. I'm almost 90 years old now. Thank God for the years that he's given me. I've been preaching for 60-some years. and I'm so happy to be my boy's pastor here, Dr. Tyler Travis. Always. And he means so much to me. And I'll never, never forget the day that he came to Christ. And I'll never forget the time when he related to me that God had called him to the ministry. I told his mother and daddy shortly after he made a profession of faith, God has his hand on that boy. (laughs) I guess you were right. You called it. You knew. 
Well, let me ask you this. So you helped me work through my call to the ministry, and you said some things to me. No doubt there's going to be some young ministers listening to this podcast, and they may be asking themselves, how can I know, how can I have that confidence that Pastor Vic's talking about, that he's describing? What would you say to some a young man who is struggling with whether he is called into the ministry or whether he's just called to be a faithful layman in the church? Well, Dr. Tyler, I have talked with several young ministers. Some of them had doubts. Some of them were confused. Some of them had been distalked. But I spent a lot of time in prayer and I always felt the tug of God in my heart. What would be, what would have me to do in this situation or that situation? And I always had vision or a deep compassion of lost humanity. Mm-hmm. I always pictured myself preaching the gospel of Christ. I wonder how God will deal with that man. I wonder how God will deal with that woman or with that child. How will he speak after I finish the message? And I usually just bowed my head very quietly and said, God, I have presented the word of God. Now, Father, you continue your work as you bring conviction upon that person and may that person not uh, resist you or reject you, but May that person come to know Jesus Christ. I would tell any young minister, do you love lost humanity? Mm. Do you have a burden? Do you have a heartache? Do you have the joy when you can just visualize seeing that person coming to know Christ as Savior and Lord? Have you visualized that one golden daybreak that you'll see that person in heaven and rejoice with them. And you even may hear that person say, thank you for introducing Jesus Christ to me. That's wonderful. I remember, I don't know if you remember saying this to me, but when I was struggling with it, you said, um, you know, it's a fire in the bones that cannot be shut up. This is this, this, this burning desire to preach the truth of God's word, to preach the gospel. Amen. All right, so let's talk about your ministry now. You said you're almost 90 now, and you've started pastoring in the 50s, right? 1950s, I think. About the time my parents were born, I think. <laughs> and uh, and you have seen a lot of changes. You pastored all the way up until you retired last year, I think, didn't you? Is That's it been right. a year? Retired and so, Okay. So let's talk about the places you've served because, uh, you know, I know you've served and you started out. uh, Where did you, where was your first church? Well, I should relate this. I never became affiliated with the Methodist church, not that I had anything against it, but uh, I really felt differently. I always was strongly a believer in believer's baptism by mm-hmm. immersion and uh, eternal security of the believer. I uh, became a member of the Fordtown Baptist Church mm-hmm. back when Dot and I were married and back in 53 
And I had a wonderful pastor by the name of Reverend A.E. Roberts. Hmm. Preacher Roberts is in heaven now, but he meant so much to me. He taught me the Word of God. He taught me the Baptist doctrine. Maybe I should say the biblical doctrine. That's right. <laughs> and uh, he meant so much to me. Gave me an opportunity to hold prayer meeting and to preach. And so I was licensed at the Fortown Baptist Church by Reverend A. E. Roberts. Also, at that time, I received a call from Colonial Heights Mission, sponsored by the Litz Manor Baptist Church in Kingsport. I we served there. together there for a little while at Litz Manor, didn't we? But sorry to interrupt. So. I uh, pastored that church for probably a year or maybe a little longer. And the church, we had very few attending, and they felt led of God to discontinue the mission. And I think Litz Manor Church, some other church felt led the same way. And so they discontinued the mission at that time. Then a little later, Dot and I became members of the Glenwood Baptist Church in Kingsport, Tennessee, Reverend Freeman Wright was the pastor there, and he taught me the Word of God just like A.E. Roberts taught me. He meant so much to me, gave me the opportunity to serve as youth pastor for a week, and uh, I thought that was really something, you know. And it uh, really thrilled me to carry the keys to the church, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, I was called from Glenwood to the Fall Creek Baptist Church in Kingsport, just across the lake there from Warrior Park. And I stayed there two years, but I was ordained at the Glenwood Church. And uh, I'll never forget uh, the day that I was ordained. The men who ordained me, all of them has gone home to be with the Lord. Reverend A. E. Roberts. Reverend Richard Sims, Reverend Clyde Forster, Reverend J.L. Trent, Reverend Freeman Wright were the men that was in the ordaining council. And they meant so much to me because they all stood out as a bride in shining light as a pastor Let me uh, and a servant of God. Let me say this. We may have some listeners that don't quite understand a license and ordination because there'll be some lay leaders that listen to this or some people that may not even be believers. I don't even know. Maybe far from the Lord. There's a difference between a license and an ordination in a Baptist church. Yes. And so what's the difference and what, what, uh, what's the significance of an ordination for a minister? Maybe you want to answer those or do you want, is that okay? Well, your license is saying that the church approves of your ministry. The church approves of the doctrine that you preach and teach and that you are in fellowship and true standing with the church and the church approves of your ministry. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the ordination is kind of a, as a further stamp of approval, I guess. Yes, and it is. And when you're called as a pastor, first step back when I was ordained, uh, first step was to be ordained by your home church. Right. Glenwood was my home church. And uh, and sometimes that's different for different people. Some people yeah. are ordained when they're in their first pastorate. But the state 
a lot of times wants to see that ordination yes. to do weddings and yeah, to do and weddings. things of that nature. So mm-hmm. it and it also helps with the uh, IRS, right? But yes, you know, it does. Case. But more importantly, you know, it's not really the license and ordinations not in the Bible. But it's a way the church, I guess, more or less lays on hands and affirms mm-hmm. that this man is called by God to the gospel ministry. Amen. All right. So you served, uh, you served there and then you, I know you spent some time at Mars Hill. Was Mars Hill next or was it, it was further down, wasn't it? No, I, I spent in my, well, let me add this. I, was at the Kingsport Press. I went there just as a boy, but I felt my call into the ministry, and I wanted to go back to school. And so I talked with the officials at the Kingsport Press and told them they had offered me a different job. And uh, so I talked with them, and I said, "Put the next man in 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 step with this that is next to me." They said, why, Vic? I said, well, God has called me into the ministry, and I want to go back to school. So I enrolled at the East Tennessee State Teachers College back in those days, (laughs) the East Tennessee State University, and I spent a couple of years there with them. And I was pastoring the Flag Pond Baptist Church up in the mountains there, and and, uh, wonderful people. And uh, I... uh, was called then to the Oak Hill Baptist Church after I spent two years at Flag Pond, a church that I was serving when I retired this time. It was my second time. But I stayed with Oak Hill about a couple of years, and uh, I was called to a church at Mohawk, the Fairview Baptist Church at Mohawk. And that gave me an opportunity to transfer to Carson Newman College. Carson Newman University now. And so I accepted the church at Fairview and went to Carson Newman over two years. And uh, I just thought I would relate that to you. God blessed in such a marvelous way. And I know you've taken other courses through the seminaries. Yeah, I did. You've always been one that enjoyed training and and study. Yes, I went to... Back in those days, we had what you call correspondent courses, and the Union Seminary out of Richmond, Virginia, Presbyterian Seminary, USA, gave all ministers the privilege and the opportunity to take correspondent courses, so I studied with them about three years. Then also, I had the privilege to go uh, to Southern Seminary, some at Louisville, Kentucky, just a brief period, but also I did a couple of years through Southwestern Theological Seminary out of Texas. Did that while I was pastoring First Baptist Church Fall Branch, by the way. Mm-hmm. Which that's where you, you spent the most time there in your ministry, right? 25 years. 25 years Branch, in Fall yes. Branch. And I remember whenever I was called to the ministry, you emphasized to me the importance of being a trained minister. You emphasized the importance of going to seminary and being trained. Have you changed your mind on that? Or you still oh, hold to that? Oh, I'm still, I still feel that way, Travis. Mm. Uh, I agree with you, by the way. So, I still feel that way. If a minister has been called by Jesus Christ, his Savior and Lord, 
I think he should try his best through the help of God to get all the education he can. And uh, so I admire a young man who will step out and further his education by going to Bible college or or uh, going to the seminary. Mm-hmm. I think it really helped you oh, I think. to deal with people. and yeah. To deal with texts, too. Bible texts. Some of them are hard. Pardon? To deal with some of those hard Bible texts, you know. Yes, yeah. uh, there are some passages that I looked at before I went to seminary and had to scratch my head at and said, I don't know how to mount a sermon out of this one. Uh, but it certainly helps you get the resources you need. Well, let me ask you this. We're going to kind of start wrapping up our time together here with this. But you've had a faithful ministry. You've seen lots of people come to the Lord under your ministry of faithful gospel preaching, me being one of those. And some of those have gone on into ministry and, and to be faithful laymen and lead others to Christ. You have a wonderful legacy that you have left for the church. And you have done this over the period of, what, six decades now, I think? Uh, six or seven almost and so you know uh, 66 years 66 years nearly seven decades so my question is this you know when Billy Graham who I know we both are fans of Billy Graham we, we both love Billy Graham uh, when he was uh, nearing home they asked him you know if you could do anything over what would you do that would be different? And uh, Dr. Graham said, I would spend more time studying. You know, he had all these engagements, and, and he was, of course, saying studying the Word of God. But if you could go back and give your young self in the 1950s there some advice from 89, nearly 90-year-old Vic Wallace, speaking to a young Vic Wallace, what would you say to him? I would say to him, I feel so little and so insignificant, but... I have been made significant through the precious blood of Jesus and through his power. I would study more. I really would. I would spend more time in prayer. And I would spend enough of time with my family because God gives us a family. And uh, I could just go on and on. Since I have been living here in Jefferson City, you know, our son went home to be with Jesus just recently. Yes. And my wife has been sick, and neither one of us are able as we used to be. But I have gone through uh, the Bible in different ways, and I would read a passage of Scripture, and I would say to myself, my, my, what a wonderful sermon that would be. Mm. And so God has been giving me so many wonderful sermons since I've been here in Jefferson City for almost a year now. But I appreciate uh, Travis asking me this. And I really would spend more time in prayer, as I said a moment ago. More time in the Word of God, because the Word of God is so precious. The inerrant Word the inspired word, the holy word, the word of God. That's perfect. That's excellent advice. And thank you so much for doing this today. I love you. Love you more than just a friend. You're my father in the ministry, right? You know, Barnabas talks about, uh, the Bible talks about how Paul had Barnabas and and uh, then he had Timothy. And so mm-hmm. you're definitely my Barnabas and so thankful to have a, a wonderful, God-fearing and uh, people-loving 
father in the ministry like you. I just feel so blessed to have that. So, Thank you, Dr. Tyler. I, you mean so much to us, and we will always have a very close place in our hearts, Dot and I. We love you and love your sweet family and your wonderful parents and your wonderful sister. Now don't let her don't don't let her get the big head now, Vic. She might listen to this. So. She's all right. I love my sister. Well, thank you so much. Anything else you'd like to share before we close out this episode? May God bless you in a very wonderful way, all of you who hear me. And uh, just pray for us. We need your prayers. Just pray that I can say with Paul. With Paul, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course, and I've kept the faith. Just pray that I can stay true to him until the Lord says, come on home. Amen. Sounds good. That's that's excellent word, especially those who uh, are nearing home. You know, uh, you and I both love Dr. Criswell, and Dr. Criswell is a Southern Seminary student, you know, graduate. And uh, they went to see, Dr. Moeller went to see Dr. Criswell as he was okay. getting older. I don't know if I've shared this with you or not. Oh. And he said, do you want me to give a message to the students back at Southern from Dr. Criswell to the student body at Southern Seminary? And, of course, Dr. Criswell was aging and nearing home. He was about to pass. And he said, well, he said, uh, you tell those preacher boys <laughs> when they get to heaven that there'll be an old man in a white suit at the top of the escalator ready to greet them to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And, you know, he always wore those white suits. So <laughs> so maybe you and I will get there, get to see Dr. Criswell, and he'll greet us. And oh, say, Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> oh, he was such a wonderful man. I knew Dr. Criswell. I've been in his church. And back in those days, we had the School of the Prophets. Right, right. At the First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. He wore those white suits, didn't he? Oh, yes, yes. And I always love to hear him say, my, my, my. What a wonderful God we're serving. That's right. Yeah. Well, and Dr. Dr. Crystal was used in such a mighty way in our denomination, right? I mean, our denomination kind of got off the tracks in, a, in our seminaries and in God used him to steer the boat back towards the inerrancy, towards infallibility, and and so we'll we'll always be forever grateful for his ministry. All right, well, thank you so much. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Appalachian Baptist Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.